You're listening to a Podglomerate original. Hey, everyone. My name is Jeff Umbro. I am the executive producer of this podcast, Missing Pages. Thank you for listening. We couldn't do this without you, and we really appreciate y'all being here. I also host a podcast called Podcast Perspectives. I know it's a little on the nose. That podcast is also produced by The Podglomerate, the company that makes this show. If you are interested in learning more about podcasting or the audiobook industry, I encourage you to go and check out Podcast Perspectives wherever you get your podcasts. We are actually going to share an episode of that show with you all today. It is about the audiobook industry, the state of that industry. It is one of the bright spots in the entire publishing industry. Year over year, all of the publishers who are putting out audiobooks are making more money than the year before. That's cool. We like that for publishers. So I hope that you all come and join us. And in the meantime, enjoy this episode all about audiobooks. This is Podcast Perspectives, a show about the latest news in the podcast industry and the people behind it. I'm your host, Jeff Umbro, founder and CEO of The Poglomerate. Today, we are doing something different on the show and talking about audiobooks. I started my career as a book publicist, so I'm personally interested in the topic, but it's also a subject which I think podcast folks should pay more attention to. For one, in 2023, the audiobook industry is more than double the size of the podcast industry. There's a lot that podcasters can learn from that growth. But also, the two industries are intersecting and collaborating with one another in a lot of interesting ways. Between podcast agencies producing audiobooks, podcast platforms hosting audiobooks, and interesting distribution plays on both sides. To break this all down, I have a great panel today featuring Michelle Cobb and Sean McManus, both audiobook publishers on the board of the Audio Publishers Association, and Landon Beach, an independent author who has published multiple audiobooks. So with that, let's get to it. So everyone, welcome to the show. Just to make this a little bit easier, would everyone introduce themselves? Michelle, would you like to begin? Sure. I'm Michelle Cobb. I'm the executive director of the Audio Publishers Association, and I'm the publisher of Audiophile Magazine that reviews audiobooks. And you have a podcast called Behind the Mic. That's right. For yeah, Behind the Mic, which Audiophile puts on. And I'm a small audio publisher myself. Cool. And Sean, would you like to go next? Yeah, thank you. My name is Sean McManus. I'm the president of Dreamscape Media, an independent audiobook publisher. I'm also the president of the Audio Publisher Association and work closely with Michelle in that function. But I have uh, close to 15 years in the audiobook field with publishers from HarperCollins and Scholastic, as well as distributors such as Audible and Spotify. And Landon? I'm Landon Beach, and I am an author of eight novels. And the narrators who perform my novels are Hall of Fame narrator Scott Brick, and award-winning narrator Suzanne Elise Freeman. So the reason that we have gathered you all here today is to talk about the parallels of the audiobook industry and the podcast industry. It feels really natural to have a conversation about audiobooks within the context of podcasting and on-demand audio, but that really wasn't necessarily the case even a few years ago. So first off, I want to ask you guys if, if you all think that right now, is a pivotal moment in the audiobook industry. Yes. I think overall, uh, audiobooks, you know, to your point, Jeff, were primarily a niche format, even three or four years ago. And now it's really transformed into more of a mass format. 
And I think that's anchored in business model and the players coming into the space, which I know we're going to talk about. But I think that is the pivotal point. You know, these new distributors, these new business models that are now taking hold to bring this from a niche format really to a mass format is kind of where we are today. Yeah, I think that that's what I've been seeing. But I also am coming at this from somebody who's more or less a complete outsider to the space. So audiobooks, as as far as I'm aware, are a $5 billion annual industry today. Podcasting is just about to cross over into $2 billion. Why, why is the news always about the, uh, the podcast industry? It's a good question. I think we've decided that people think uh, podcasts are cooler than audiobooks, although we disagree. But I think, you know, it's podcasting is fairly new. Audiobooks and the Audio Publishers Association was formed in 1986. So we've actually been around. We've been part of the landscape. And it's been something that people have been exposed to for a long time. I would also add that everyone's talking about podcasts because they're free, they're amazing, they're great. I still think audiobooks are much better, Jeff, sorry. But in Sweden, over 60% of all units consumed in the book space, in the publishing space, are audiobooks because they embrace streaming, they embrace different business models, and the larger publishers embrace it as well. So I think us as English language speaking territories in the US specifically, we're on that road and it's actually going to make audiobooks a primary format in the long run. Michelle, I believe you've mentioned to me before that there are four major like business models surrounding the audiobook industry. Would you walk us through those? Sure. The, the model that the U.S. market was built on in retail is called the credit subscription model. So that's where you're buying you know, one book a month on credit. You pay generally in the $15 range, and you can pick out whatever you pick out. This often incentivizes people to choose a long title. You know, you paid $15, you might as well get your 30 hours worth. Then you've got your very standard a la carte model. You buy one title, whatever the publisher is charging for that, and you, you pay that and you kind of own that title. Then there's the subscription model, which exists in either an unlimited or limited way where you're essentially paying on a monthly fee to access a body of content. And then I'm also seeing this hybrid subscription model, which is you pay for credit and then you also get access to a library filled with with content. Well, so it strikes me that there's a bunch of different business models out there that people are testing. You know, the one that's been around the longest that most people listening to this are probably aware of is is the credit system because that's what Audible uses. The biggest one that is in the news lately is probably the subscription model via Spotify. Can you walk us through like what that looks like? Sure. So Spotify has actually launched a program in which if you are a premium subscriber, meaning you pay a certain amount per month to access podcasts and music, you can also access audiobooks and you can listen to up to 15 hours per month as part of your subscription. And then if you want to listen to like 15 to 20 hours, uh, do you just have to pay extra? That's correct. You, you can pay a little more and get a little more, as we say. And then there are other audiobooks that are available in Spotify that you cannot get through that model. You can buy them a la carte. You just have to leave the app, go to their website, acquire it, and then you can load it in. And because we like simple things, Spotify is not actually letting people buy it on their app. They have to go to a separate website because of an entirely separate issue that we won't get into today with just Apple business models in their app store. 
And then speaking of Apple, Apple Books and I believe Google Books and several others just operate on like a you know a la carte system. You pay for what you want. So those are the dominant models and those that I believe those four players probably make up like 90 something percent of the market. You'd actually be surprised. I remember making a slide years ago that would had all the players and it was like overdrive and audible. And then, you know, five years ago, I started having 40 or 50 different retailers on the slide. So as the market grows, the bigger players actually technically lose market share because there are so many players in the market, but they continue to, to grow. Well, I like that. This could be Sean or Michelle. Could you walk us through what the audiobook space looked like over the last 10 years? What happened that like helped to transform it into what we see today? Well, I would say a couple of things. First of all, the, the smartphone has been a huge uh, boon for audiobooks because, you know, if you're old enough to remember carrying them on cassette or on CD, that was a lot to hold on to. But it was really that smartphone where suddenly you're carrying a computer with a lot of potential titles on it that helped people discover audiobooks. And the industry over the past 11 years has seen double-digit growth in revenue each year. And I really do tie that back to the smartphone and to publishers producing much more. So 20 years ago, as a group of publishers, we probably published between two and 3,000 titles a year. You know, now through digital production and digital delivery, each publisher in their own right has, you know, doubled and sometimes tripled their list really in the past decade. And that amount of content being available has helped drive the format. And then you have people like Landon who are you know, independent authors who are doing their own publishing of books and audiobooks. And we're starting to see that that has a huge impact. So availability has been a key driver of growth. And to add on to, to Michelle's point, you know, especially in the five, last five or 10 years, you know, Audible was a really big player in the industry in retail. They were the go-to for digital and they were the first ones out of the gate. Um, really, their only competition were the public libraries and library systems. And so where we are now, I mean, we have companies like Scribd and Chirp and Apple has grown significantly. Audiobooks.com. Gone are the days of just one you know, retail player being the, the go-to stop for audiobooks. And now we have a really healthy ecosystem for, audio, for audiobooks. Landon, I wanted to also ask you how you have seen this growth in the industry as somebody who is actually writing these books. When was the first audiobook that you wrote published? My first audiobook got published in 2020. And I started working with Scott Brick in the summer of 2019. And I think my perspective comes from seeing the growth in audiobooks and seeing hardcover sales are down, paperback sales are down, printing costs are up. And so if you want to go and publish your book just because you want some family members to read it and put it under the Christmas tree or whatnot, it's pretty inexpensive. But if you're looking to make a career of it, I think it's the three legs of a stool where you have to have ebook, you have to have some kind of physical copy, and you have to have audiobooks. And if you don't have those three... If you're not putting out a tremendous amount of material, which is beyond the scope of this podcast, of course, then you have to think about the quality that you want to have with fewer books. And it's essential 
to have audiobooks as one of the legs of that stool, which puts an onus on trying to get really good narrators to separate yourself and bring your work. But that isn't easy either. Yeah, on the podcast side, it's very similar. And and when I was a book publicist, we used to have this quote where, you know, there's something like 300 books every day are being published, and that's your competition. We were probably drastically underestimating how many books were being published, to be honest. So what we've established so far is that there are a few different business models through a lot of the big tech players, as well as some of the more legacy audio you know, distribution platforms. There are more audiobooks than ever that are being produced and published because of accessibility, you know, with smartphones, with the tools to actually record this stuff. How are publishers and authors being paid through all of these disparate systems? Sean, would you like to take that one? Yeah, it's a tough question because every single business model is different. You know, between publisher and author, it really is still anchored in the traditional publishing model. And so whatever the publisher nets, a percentage of that then is given down to the author from there. Now, in the instance of one copy, one user for libraries, you're selling a, an audiobook to a library system for many opportunities to listen to that title. So usually the list price is much greater. So the net is much greater and then so on. For such as Audible, it's more of a, you know, not similar to a la carte, but a smaller amount that is then netted by the publisher and then paid through. So without going into every single business model and everything overall, it's more of a traditional publishing space where if the publisher or the author who is self-published just receives a net amount from that distribution platform. So authors slash publishers, depending on the distribution deal, will receive some kind of percentage on whatever sales occur. How dominant is the traditional publishing industry, you know, the big five publishers within this market? as opposed to you know independent publishers or people who are trying to move into this space kind of on their own. It's really interesting to compare ebooks and audiobooks. When you look at how the units consumed for ebooks, say Kindle Unlimited or Amazon, the actual the ebook percentage of self-published authors and non-big five and non-traditional publishing is really, really high. It's over 50%. On the audiobook side, it's much, much smaller. And that's because of all the hurdles that have historically been put in front of self-published authors, as well as independent audiobook publishers. Now we're in a world where, you know, I'd say two years ago, the self-published authors were about 10 to 12% and the independents were 10 to 12% of all of audiobook consumption. But now that number is actually increasing very quickly because those eBooks that do extraordinarily well have great SEO, great metadata, great cover art, great narrators such as Scott Brick and others, they're actually exploding. And so what people aren't talking about as much in the trades for publishing is the fact that this self-publishing and these independents are actually growing leaps and bounds because of the plethora and the quality of content out there. I think that's what new business models can bring to the front, such as Spotify and others that you know, the more traditional book distributors as, as Audible and others haven't been able to uh, really push. I think we're going to see that self-publishing and those independent publishers such as myself and Landon on the author front and Michelle's publishing company really come into fruition more and more. Landon, what do you think? You published your first audiobook in 2020. Sounds like that is a big part of your business as a writer. Have you seen more opportunity in the space in the last couple of years? When you think about putting your work out in audiobooks, I think it always comes down to 
what is going to make you the most competitive. As more and more narrators who work with traditional publishers are being open to working with independent authors, those lines are going to get blurred. I have seen more and more indies start to go with audiobook narrators and try to get top flight audiobook narrators to compete. And as far as the payment goes, it's pretty streamlined. You know, I don't have to wait for any royalties for months while my agent and publisher, if I had them, would be fighting. It goes directly into my <laughs> account and allows me to focus on putting out quality content rather than trying to go through the tentacles of bureaucracy. So there is an advantage too, but it is a lot more work up front. You know, my wife and I are a mighty team of two. She is able to help me upload those files and work out that when we have to submit them to distributors that are going to get them out to retailers. So in one way, technology giveth, and another way, it can taketh away if you don't know how to navigate that. And that's probably something that would make people shy away from independent publishing is that it is a lot more work. In the APA, the Audio Publishers Association data, one of the key items, I forget where it ranks, one, two, or three, of actually wanting to consume an audiobook outside of the actual the title is the narrator. So people, consumers looking for that narrator, looking for that name that they want to listen to is so key and continues to be in both the retail segment and the library segment. That brings me to one of the questions that I have, which is more of a fun one for me to ask. There's a Star Wars audiobook that I've listened to that has like all the lightsaber sounds and not John Williams score, but might as well have been. And there is the George Saunders Lincoln and the Bardo from a few years back, which had something like 200 voices in it. Outside of the narrator, like how much does the production play a part in how people consume these things and enjoy them? I think that's a good question. There, For a long time, there's kind of been two camps of listeners, people that are listening and are used to the one narrator reading all the parts, and you're sort of in that mind frame. And then there's people that listen to more of the audio drama with the sound effects and music and full cast. And never the twain shall meet is what I often <laughs> found in my you know anecdotal discussions with people. But I think that that is changing. More books are being published with full cast and sound effects and music. More books are being published with three perspectives, so three different narrators. We're starting to see that that piece of the performance is being honored in a different way. And I think part of that is because people are listening to podcasts that are doing these things. So publishers are being more creative and consumers are being more open to the idea of exploring different types of listening. Jeff, I'd say too, there's another distinction and that's just in the performer themselves, which is there are some voice artists who do voices and do different voices for different characters. And there are others who do not and play more the attitude and go through subtlety. So even within a singular narrator, there are choices that differentiate between each other. So that's even different than hiring a full cast because you could have one person who is an incredible voice imitator and could come up with different voices for characters that would give the impression that you have a bigger cast. But that's something else that exists, I think, in that space, especially when you have a singular narrator. It's so funny because all three of you are saying things that could easily be applied to podcasting. And I do think that there is a big blend in these different business models that's happening right now. 
spoke with somebody recently who works at a premium subscription podcast service, and they're starting to print essentially gift cards that you can buy at Target, and you scan it and you can download your audiobook. There is Pushkin, who is putting out you know paid audiobooks on RSS feeds that you you know do a premium subscription for. Substack is kind of its own beast that is more or less that, you know, you can get audio versions of people's newsletters. Same with Autumn from the New York Times, who the New York Times purchased about a year ago. I feel like we are living through whatever like phase two or phase three of the audiobook industry is where all of this stuff is getting blended and like, you know, people are, are used to audiobooks and moving to podcasting and vice versa. Do you guys want to speak to that new business model or whatever like this merge of, of formats is? And do you think that like five years from now, we're not even going to be talking about audiobooks versus podcasts? Am I crazy? I don't think you're crazy. I mean, you know, I, in addition to being the executive director of the Audio Publishers Association, I'm also the executive director of the Podcast Academy. And I would say this issue is the singular one I spend the most time on because we in the industry can't really describe the difference except in business models. So we're trying to figure out how they're going to come together. And if the consumer doesn't care, how we are going to walk in parallel step with each other, still creating great products, but maintaining a way to monetize each one, maybe in a slightly different way, or maybe in the same way. And I, I would go on overall, I actually don't think podcasts and audiobooks will merge. I think they are very different, actually. To Michelle's point, I think how can we walk in parallel with one another is really the most important piece. The fact of the matter is, and I, I might ruffle feathers here, but audiobooks, that word is very different than podcasts. You know, we have been trained, you can go different territories around the world, but in America, we've been trained to say that podcasts are free. In my mind, those are free. Audiobooks actually have a higher value just from the word alone. Now, would a recording a fiction podcast be just as good, if not even 10 times better than a lot of audiobooks? Yes, they, they definitely could be and they definitely are. But I think what we're seeing now is those longer form audiobooks or audio programs going to the audiobook sector and then those podcasts going into podcasts. I, I think we're actually going to see a real separation but they still need to live right next to each other. And they actually feed one another in a lot of ways because it's it's a very much the same consumer. And I would say the thing that I equate them to is movies and television, right? Television used to be free, you know, pre-cable, but movies were of that longer format, sort of higher premium. And I think that these formats of podcasts and audiobooks are largely the same. Movies and television exist together on the same platforms, podcasts and audiobooks now existing together on the same platforms. So I think that there's a lot of upside for both. And speaking of these different business models, what do you think, Landon, about the idea of putting advertisements in audiobooks? So putting ad markers at chapters, et cetera. There's been some discussion of that with some of the platforms. I think what I would say in going with what Michelle was alluding to there is that when you had hardcover or paperback books and you purchased them or you got them from the library or you went to the theater, what you had was uninterrupted choice to be immersed into this content. And I could not imagine if I was sitting on a couch with a hardcover book reading and all of a sudden a robot that was sitting next to me reached over and closed the book and said, 
let me now interrupt your experience and take you completely out of that world to give you a ad for something that you may or may not be interested in. In television, when you're watching sports or when we were all growing up, you had commercials, you had that expectation, but it just reminds you that you're back in the real world and you're like, I'm tired. I just had a bad day at work. And then television would have to leave you always on a cliffhanger so that you'd be like, well, I I wonder how Magnum PI is going to get out of this one. And then you get sucked back into it. But I just think that it eliminates choice of the consumer, involuntarily stopping someone from being immersed in something they paid for, I think is a really bad idea from an artistic standpoint. I do get the revenue streams that can come from that, but I really hope that that remains a distinction between podcasts and audiobooks, that those two things don't cross over, my friend. I agree with everything that you all said, and I think that we're going to be at a point where they're going to be two distinct industries that are working in parallel to one another. But I also do think that we're continuing to see those boundaries get absorbed into one another. You start to see a lot of organizations talk about putting advertisements in audiobooks or taking a podcast and making it a premium model. Apple's been doing that for the last year or two with their subscription models. I also wanted to spend just a minute talking about kind of like the next step of audiobooks. Historically, and as long as I can remember up until the last few years, Audible has been the company that is just in my mind, like the go-to organization to go and purchase a book. Over the last few years, that's changed. Would you like to spend a minute talking about like what has changed in that regard and, and like kind of the new platforms that are emerging? I think there's just so many more retailers. You know, we've talked about Apple, we've talked about Google, audiobooks.com, Scribd, Libro.fm, Kobo, Audiobooks Now. I mean, I can just rattle off. There's so many different players in the market who are contributing to bringing listeners to the format. So just like, you know, with your TV streaming service, you might bop around. You may do so as well in the audiobook space now. And we know that a lot of listeners come to the format from libraries and do a portion of their listening through the public library as well. I go back and forth in my own head and kind of think about the idea of like these new retailers or distribution platforms that are starting to market in audiobooks. Are they just stealing audience share from one another or is the overall pie growing significantly, significantly enough to support all of those like different people listening? Yeah. So, I mean, we can thank the pandemic for reminding people that they liked to read and certainly that they like to get away from screens. Both of those things have helped audiobooks. And in general, 20 years ago, it was less than a quarter of the population had ever listened to an audiobook. This year, the APA measured 53% of U.S. adults saying that they had ever listened to audiobooks. And that was a big uptick from the previous year. And the good thing is, when someone listens to an audiobook once, they tend to return, and especially those younger listeners. So the ones that we're picking up now in their youth, they're going to be with us for another 70, 80 years, which is great. I think to merge those two questions around the players and cannibalization, I think every distributor or retailer that comes or library outlet that comes into the space actually has its own audience. Take Chirp, for example, a a lower cost audiobook offering has a much older audience looking for, you know, deals for audiobooks, $299, $399. You bring in Spotify, and we've already seen some initial data, a much, much younger demographic. 
And that is what the Audio Publisher Association wants to see. That's what I want to see as a publisher of audiobooks. You know, a, a different demographic coming in. Well, thank you all so much for joining us, and we'll be sure to have you all back soon. Thank you to Michelle, Sean, and Landon for joining us on this episode. You can find Michelle Cobb at the Audio Publishers Association and on Behind the Mic. She wanted me to let you all know that the Audis will be announced on March 4th, 2024. You can find Sean McManus at dreamscapepublishing.com and you can find Landon at landonbeachbooks.com. For more podcast-related news, info, and takes, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Umbro. Podcast Perspectives is a production of The Podglomerate. If you are looking for help producing, distributing, or monetizing your podcast, you can find us at thepodglomerate.com. Shoot us an email at listen at thepodglomerate.com or follow us on all social platforms at Podglomerate. This episode was produced by Chris Boniello and Henry Lavoie. And thank you to our marketing team, Joni Deutsch, Madison Richards, Morgan Swift, Annabella Panna, and Vanessa Ullman. And a special thank you to Dan Christo. Thanks for listening, and I will catch you next week.